On this week's show, what in the world is going on with DC Films? We wrap up our thoughts on E3 2018 and what's Sony thinking when it comes to Fortnite? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glass from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We thank you so much for tuning in to all of our great shows. It's going to be an awesome program we have for you today. We've got, in just a sec, Rob McCallum sitting in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. He is going to be talking about all the chaos at DC Films. Josh Peterson and I are going to be coming back right after that and talking about everything that we saw at E3 2018 as far as the conferences and what we liked and didn't like. And then on the back end, I'm going to be sharing some thoughts on Sony's controversy with Fortnite. All this and more on our latest episode of the PCC Multiverse, but let's get it started right now with the Cosmic Crossfire. And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. It's Gerald coming right back at you here with, along with my good friend. He is the man behind Rob McCallum Films. You gotta check out everything at robmccallumfilms.com. All of his great projects, his great stuff going on, including Box Art, the documentary, Power of Skull, and so much more. It's my good friend. It's Rob McCallum. What's going on, man? I know well, uh, some, some, yeah. some heavy times now, heavy times now, but we'll try to get through it as best as possible. Yeah, we uh, met with the unfortunate news uh, late last night that our good friend and uh, Nintendo Quest participant, Sid Bolton, Canada's top game collector, uh, is no longer with us. The details are, are scarce right now, and they really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Sid was a very generous guy for as vast as his collection was, his generosity clearly outpaced it. He was one of the first people to reach out to us when he had heard about Nintendo Quest and offered to do pretty much anything that that we could think of that he might be able to help with. He, He made phone calls, he made emails. He invited us over to his place. We filmed with him twice, uh, very early on, once before Jay's journey started and once the journey actually started, I think on day three. On our three-disc set of Nintendo Quest, there's a good 20-minute uh, interview where Sid talks about you know, his love of the gaming industry, the ups and downs, what he thinks work uh, works in his personal insight. And I've uploaded that bonus feature to the uh, Nintendo Quest Facebook page for people to take a look at it so they can remember Sid and just the kind of passion this guy had for, for the hobby and, and collecting in general. Just really salt of the earth kind of guy. And, and it's and it's sad, right? And I, I think about stuff like the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, not everybody's favorite Indiana Jones movie, but there's that one line that I always come back to in that. That's when Jim Broadbent turns to uh, Harrison Ford and says, you know, we reach a certain point in life where it stops giving us things and starts taking them away. I've actually lost three people in the in the last month 
within my circle. And for Sid to be number three is just not something I don't think anybody saw coming. He had done panels with Jay in March on gaming. They did Nintendo Quest giveaways. He was set to be at the Comic-Con here locally in a few months. He runs the PC Computer Museum out of Brantford, Ontario. Just just a really great guy, a huge supporter of us, and you know, all the best to his family as they try to move on with that giant void that's going to be in their life that Sid represented. And uh, to the gaming community, too, who he did so much for to educate them and showcase some lost technology or often... Uh, endangered technology uh, that was going to miss. He's just a really good guy and just really fortunate to to get to know him. So, uh, Sid, if you're listening to this or you're tuning into our, our live stream or checking out the PCC or the Multiverse or the Cosmic Crossfire, this one's to you, buddy. And, you know, we look forward to keeping your legacy going on. And we're very thankful that we were able to capture a little bit of who you are uh, in our film. Definitely sounds like someone that's gone way too soon. Our condolences to the family, and obviously my uh, heartfelt condolences on your loss as well. And and hopefully he will be remembered for some time to come for all the things he did in contributing to the gaming community. Right. But as Sid always believed, you always keep pushing and you always keep going, uh, whether it's collecting or, or spreading the love and joy of video games. So we'll we'll continue on here with the Cosmic Crossfire there is a big shakeup at DC. I'm sure you may have heard of Gerald. Jeff Johns is now stepping down as DC president and creative chief executive or whatever the fancy title is. And he's formed his own production company called Mad Ghost Productions. And of course, uh, he's already been signed to one film, and that's the Green Lantern Corps film, which may freak a lot of people out considering how poorly the first Green Lantern film did with Ryan Reynolds at the box office. While Green Lantern Corps is supposed to focus on Hal Jordan once again and Jon Stewart, another human Green Lantern who protects Earth. There's, I think, four of them in total. And these two guys are going to be the focus of the film, from what I understand. And uh, with Jeff Johns uh, being responsible as a full-on producer for this film, it probably actually means good things for fans since uh, he is the premier talent and, and definitive storyteller of the Green Lantern universe. He's had the most successful run on the comic book as a writer than anybody else, and he brings a lot of knowledge to it. So I really like the fact that maybe he's stepping back from the overall big picture of DC stuff to focus on that one little corner that he he nailed so, so well. But what does this say for the ongoing future legacy of DC films again when you're replacing the guy who was supposed to have the grand vision at the top, letting him do his own thing, and now you're putting other people in there with this revolving door of executives, how are you ever going to have this roadmap that is, that is as successful as something like Marvel and Kevin Feige have done? How many projects right now with DC are, are proposed or in production or in some phase of actually being pen on paper? I don't know. I've lost track. I read that article and I saw all the things that are out there that are possibly in the works of DC and to me, it's just troubling. There's just no direction. There's no formula. Like you said, with Marvel and Kevin Feige, there is a plan. There is a start to a finish, an A to a Z. There is a, a start and an end game here. With DC, it's just all over the place. They want to be like Marvel. Then they want to do their own thing. And then they all throw all these other great ideas that they, they think are awesome. And it, to me, it's just a mess. They need someone to come in there and shake things up and say, hey, we're going to start from scratch. 
We're going to start with what we have that's good, and we're going to try and build upon that. There's only one thing that's been a sure shot for them as of this point in time, and that is Wonder Woman. That movie obviously did very well. A Wonder Woman 2 movie is coming out next year, and it's going to be good. And it's going to be something that that I'm sure a lot of people will enjoy. Aquaman is coming later this year. That's already pretty much in the can, so you can't the, the ball's rolling on that one. After that, it really gets murky on what actually will come to the screen or not. But with all the projects that are supposedly in the works at DC and Warner Brothers, it just seems like it's just a big mess. I would focus on just a core base of films to go off of and i would not abandon the justice league i think you should go back after three or four films and do a justice league two and build on from there uh, instead of just going and and trying put 30 or 40 seemingly different projects out there that and hopefully one will stick with audiences yeah, I don't know what to do as DC, and this is something we speculate quite often, both you and I, and I know you and Josh talk about it as well. How do you possibly like write the ship, and where do you go from here? I don't think there's any simple answer that makes sense as a sweeping solution. I think you just got to start somewhere and, and really find something that works, and maybe they have that with the Wonder Woman, and they need to kind of go out from the center of that. And I think Star Wars is is maybe on the same kind of trajectory of like where is it going with these prequels are these prequels like solo obi-wan and boba fett actually going to be connected stories that you know have you know characters that are shared between them as the the main nemesis and i know you guys have talked about it so spoiler alert if you haven't seen solo yet is darth maul maybe behind all the villains and all these prequels prequel kind of standalone story so that's the unifying thread so we saw him of course at the end of solo will he be at the end of obi-wan when him and obi-wan fight again will he be part of the boba fett's movie that's going on is that the way that that's a connected universe i don't know but there's got to be something that is a little bit more titillating and thought out than what dc is currently doing who is just trying to throw their big guns into the pan and hope it works out Justice League should work for all the right reasons, but it doesn't. I think one thing that they've got to do is really figure out the next Batman move. What are they going to do with Batman and probably Superman? And just focus on Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. They've already got Wonder Woman working. How can you get those other two working? Because they're not right now. We don't even know if Ben Affleck is coming back for sure. If he's not coming back, what the next film is. Is there another Man of Steel film? Is it going to be called something else? How do we go forward and, and what's the plan? That's what really needs to be sorted. I agree with you. It should be just Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. If Aquaman does okay this winter, maybe you can add him in there too and then focus on those four. And then the fifth film, like I said, should be a return to the Justice League where you incorporate Cyborg and Flash and anything else you want to go ahead and connect with it. Other superheroes, maybe uh, having the Green Lantern involved a major battle between villains and heroes. If that's the case, just do it then and keep it to a four or five movie list. And then go from there. When you go ahead and expound on a Joker standalone movie, a Joker prequel, a Batman detective movie, Gotham city sirens, green lantern corpse. Those are for the studios that actually can go ahead and, have that history of doing things correctly like Marvel has over the course of the past 10 years. 
because they weren't doing this well beforehand. As you and I both remember, in the early 2000s, Marvel was pretty pretty much laughed at. They had the X-Men films, and even by the third one, that was laughable. Daredevil, Ghost Rider, they they needed to do some, some work for sure. DC is currently at where Marvel was. And it just seems right now that DC and Warner Brothers need to get together and build a solid plan. You know, I changed my mind. I do have a sweeping suggestion that that I think DC could really make use of and, and really push forward that builds on some of their existing relationships. Warner Brothers, which of course is the parent company of DC now, has a really great relationship going with Amazon that is counter to what's going on with Netflix in that they put their seasons of HBO television out there, the most current season you'll find on, on Amazon for people to get caught up if you have Prime. Why not help bolster Amazon Prime and do some series-based work with your DC properties? Take the time across 10 episodes or 8 episodes to tell a story right. And I look at something like Green Lantern Corps as a perfect example, which is a very sprawling story, to really get in there and tell the tale of what's going on. Instead of in a two-hour film where it's either going to be a thumbs up or a thumbs down, let people really invest in these characters. How great would it be for Amazon and DC to have an awesome Batman series that is done at the level of Game of Thrones, super cinematic, but it's on the streaming giant that is going to promote the crap out of it. Then you're not competing with Marvel on the big screen. Then you're still getting the press that you want, and you've got the time to be creative. And you're probably saving a little bit of money, too. And you're also going to get the kind of money because it's not like Amazon Prime isn't paying for its content like Netflix is. Let's just say, like right there, if they were able to go ahead and coordinate something with Warner Brothers and DC, they are going to pull out all the stops. I could see something with Flashpoint. I could see something with Cyborg. I could see something evolving there with a Joker prequel, Gotham City Sirens. Those would work on that type of format. But on the big screen, it's a hit or miss proposition. You know, comic books have a history of being a an episodic issue-based thing to begin with. DC is one of the pioneers. They, they obviously predate Marvel by a couple decades Go back to what you what you guys do well. Tell stories uh, issue by issue and, and beat Marvel at that game because, frankly, Marvel hasn't done that well, say maybe season one of Jessica Jones and Daredevil. On the small screen, Marvel doesn't have the track record, uh, especially compared to DC, like with Flash and Green Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. Like DC has got the small screen nail, so why not do a bigger version of that on a streaming giant that wants the content that can promote it. And you already have an existing partnership with, I think that would get a lot of people excited. And I think you'd find a lot of people tuning in versus, and you think you'd eliminate a ton of hate back and forth when you try to go toe to toe on the big screen. But again, our condolences to the family of Sid, who's been a major contributor for Nintendo quest. Our thoughts are with your family and you're going through a tough time. You Jay and everyone else in the gaming community up there, my thoughts and prayers are with you, Jay, and the rest of the gaming family up there in Canada. Appreciate it, sir. Until next time. Until next time, indeed. Rob, it's always so great to have you on the show. And, of course, a part of the Cosmic Crossfire right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the show. Gerald coming right back at you along with Josh Peterson want to see if we can just go ahead and wrap up E3 in a nice, tidy little bowl. There was a lot of conferences to cover. I know Josh is 
going to be out there this week covering it as well with all the great action that's going out there on the floor. But wanted to go ahead and talk about what we saw and what we liked and didn't like about some of the conferences that were left over. We obviously discussed on our Monday show the Xbox conference in great detail. And if you want to check that out, that's on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel already. I mentioned briefly about the Bethesda conference and some of the highlights about that, but we also want to get Josh's thoughts as well on that. So I'll lead in with this. We started off with the whole thing kicking off with EA. What were your thoughts with EA, some of the highs and lows, or some of the things that you pointed out as a whole in regards to the conference itself? Yeah, honestly, EA was a garbage truck of a press conference because they didn't they didn't tell you they didn't really say anything. They they're like, oh yeah, we're working on a uh, on a new Star Wars game, what uh, the the Jedi game, I forget what it's called. Jedi Fallen Order. It's from the former Call of Duty guys. Uh, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, they're talking about Battlefront. Anthem looks cool. We still don't really know what this game is can we play it by ourselves or do we have to is it only playable with friends or an online community that's something that i want to know is it going to have the story the the narrative like a bioware game usually has and is supposed to have traditionally or is it something like elder scrolls you know it has a story but it's not a very involved story and so these are all questions we want to know questions they didn't answer they went to their sports stuff ooh la la good for them they had a great opportunity here to say, hey, we're going to put out some of our back catalog on the Switch or even, you know, announce a remaster of the Mass Effect trilogy, but they still refuse to do that. And I don't understand the thinking behind that. But yeah, this press conference, I just, I didn't really care about much. Did we want an Unravel 2? I didn't. I just, I don't know, man. Like, what what are your thoughts? No, I didn't necessarily want it unraveled too, but it does look very nice. I will say the animation style is quite pretty to look at. And of the platformers that are out, and I know you remarked on the Xbox conference with the new Ori coming out, I, I liked what I saw out of Unraveled 2 a little bit more than what I saw out of Ori or any other platformer that is going to be coming out and that's on the way. I just think it looks really, really nice. But no, I didn't exactly, you know, clamor for it. You know, wasn't exactly on pins and needles for it. But it's nice that it's out there. And to me, that was the highlight of the EA press conference. Anthem, I'm not in love with it. It just looks like a repackaged Destiny, to be honest with you. Uh, and, uh, you know, I even made the comment to you, although little did I know, this seems to be a theme for many of the press conferences that I saw and had to sit through over the course of the past few days, was that, when you have a press conference just to have a press conference. To me, EA, and uh, uh, we'll make uh, some other exceptions as well, they could have been better served to actually have their products be a part of someone else's conference, like mix in the sports stuff on the Switch, mix in Anthem as far as the Xbox, and mix in some of the other things like Unravel 2 and some other things on the PlayStation conference. They didn't need to have their own press conference it really was kind of off-putting. And unfortunately, you're going to hear the same theme from me on a number of occasions because some of the auxiliary press conferences that weren't by the main three really didn't need to happen. No, I agree. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll get into that in a moment. But yeah, EA, unimpressive. I it, I don't want to say bum me out, but I just, it, it didn't need to happen. And I, I don't know, I... I don't. I still don't have a lot of goodwill towards EA, and it, it's hard to uh, 
to really say what what they want. Do they? Because Bethesda, you know, like them, their press conference wasn't wasn't excellent, but. Bethesda is a company that's out there. They're doing it for the fans. They love the fans. They're gamers. They are the people by the people. They're gamers. They love gamers and they want to give the gamers what they want and something that they themselves would want to play. Whereas EA is all about got to bring that money in. So what is going to bring money? How are we going to milk this for everything that it's worth? And so on and so forth. What's the next conference you wanted to discuss here? Uh, the next conference I probably want to discuss is Square Enix, which, you know, how much more do you want to show off Kingdom Hearts 3? We get it. There's Disney this, Disney that, part of this, Disney part of that, this new world from Disney, this new world from Disney. I get it. When you show it at your own conference, you show it at other people's conferences, it really becomes overkill. And for something that was a treasured game series to many during the PlayStation era, it's going to come down to the point where in the realm of today's type of video game, it's just another video game. It comes across as something that eh, looks okay, but there's a lot more prospects out there as far as video games are concerned, and it's no longer on the cutting edge as far as video games. So to me, they probably would have been better served to not have a conference after all, I understand they wanted to show off some more Tomb Raider, which again, they put out on other people's conferences. And this gets into a little bit of overkill and repetitiveness that yes, they've got uh, some nice things that are coming out for Just Cause 4 and all that. But I really think they would have, again, been best served if they just go ahead and put it, their stuff on other people's conferences and actually been a primary part of those conferences. Because when they tried to do something on their own, it did not come off quite as strong as maybe a Bethesda, which we'll go into next. Right. I agree. I liked seeing the Tomb Raider because each time we saw the Tomb Raider trailer, we saw different parts of the game. But whereas with Kingdom Hearts, it was kind of the same thing over and over again. The Pirates of the Caribbean thing, yeah, that was cool to see. But that trailer that they kept showing, it wasn't even very well put together. It was kind of janky. You know, the the audio was bad. The editing was bad. It was just like random parts of the game. The voiceover was was pretty, by Sora, was pretty bad. Yeah, it's cool to see Frozen and all that. And like, but most of what they showed is just stuff that we've seen already. And Kingdom Hearts, to me, I was thinking about today is one of those games where, yeah, after we play this one, say two years from now they're going to say oh and guess what's on its way kingdom hearts 4 and everyone's going to be like nah i'm good i don't want to uh go through the the pressure of waiting 10 years for a game again so why am i going to what what's the point of this you know other than that i love octopath is cool they they didn't spend too much time focusing on it. they're like hey this is the game you've seen these visuals before it's coming soon you can play it in june i want to say this is what you're going to get. And that, that was cool. They announced the real, it had, had real cinematics and then it moved into the computer animated. It's called like silence or something. Didn't really say much about that. I don't know what's going on with that one. Octopath I know is coming very soon to the switch. In fact, there's even a demo that's coming out, I believe within the next few days. They had a, a demo out before, which was really fun too. It's a, I mean, if you guys are listening to this at home, definitely this, it's a very, fun game it's like a classic rpg with the background has depth to it so it's it's very it's a very cool looking game and just cause 4 like i said was announced officially even though it was already leaked and 
uh, at this point in time, like I said, they would have been better served to be parts of other individual console conferences. I think they just having their own to have their own, just like in the case of EA, did not serve their company as well as as they should have. In fact, we'll we'll say this theme at least one more time, in my opinion. Yeah, because Just Cause 4 did premiere in the Microsoft show, so we already knew that was happening. Of course, there's more Final Fantasy 15 stuff, but two games that were conspicuously absent from this press conference was the remake of uh, Final Fantasy 7, as well as the long-rumored Square Avengers game. So I don't... Maybe they didn't show them because there's no progress or they've, they've reached a standstill, but... Those are two titles that people were dying to see. And since this wasn't really a press conference as much as it was a video reel, it didn't seem like they could have just shown that and let us know, hey, these games are still coming. We're just we're still trying to maintain the hype level over them, but they chose not to do that. It shows me that they probably have plans to show off one, if not both titles at PSX later this year. So, or either that or Gamescom. It could be Gamescom, which is also a heavily, I guess, attended event would probably be the best way to say it uh, when it comes out later this year. So I think at one of those events, we'll hear more about the Final Fantasy VII Remake and possibly even the Avengers game, even though I'm not sure because when it was announced that it was in development, it still has kind of a short timeline to next year's Avengers movie. So I don't think it will make it by that point in time. So we'll have to wait and see, but I think it would be pushing it. I would say it would probably be something that wouldn't be seen on consoles until 2020, unless they're going to borrow from a lot of other games and a lot of other code that they already have existing for other games and just throw it onto that. And, if that's the case, the game might be solid upon its release, but it won't be original and may not even stand out when it comes out. So we'll have to wait and, and see on that thing as well. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. The best solitary conference that wasn't by a major console, in my opinion, was Bethesda. The other companies need to take note. The EAs, the Ubisoft, the Square Enix of the world, they need to take note on how to do these things right. And I think of any of them, Bethesda pulled it off. Even though they showed their games on other platforms in their conferences, they still managed to go ahead and show people a lot of stuff that is really worth getting excited about in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, exactly. They... It wasn't, granted, it wasn't as tight as it was last year, because last year they had the whole uh, Bethesda Land thing set up, so you're basically just following a map. They're saying, hey, this is what's going on with this game, show us a video, next game, show us a video, next game, so on and so forth. But yeah, th this year was, it, it was cool. There's a lot of uh, Todd, Todd Howard. He kind of had a lot of dialogue that seemed unnecessary, like the whole thing. I remember E3 being a teenager and stuff like that. That was kind of not my favorite. I liked how they, you know, like I mentioned earlier, they are 
they're a team of developers who are gamers. They they want to make games that they would play, and they're also they always listen to the fans and they care what the fans want to say. So they make games that they know the fans would want to play. I granted I wasn't stoked about Fallout seventy six at first. I still might not be, but I do like the idea. I like what they were trying to do, and I might give it a try. And I, I love that they they basically said we are working on games for the next gen and it's probably i imagine we're not going to see starfield or elder scrolls on this generation of consoles i agree with you on that it looks like it's going to be something that is not going to be coming for any time in the future especially with xbox and playstation both officially announcing that something is coming in the future and my guess is probably 2020 for new consoles and upon their release, look for Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six to be the first games that will probably be released on both those platforms. Right, and good for them. I'm glad they're they're getting ahead of the curve. I am excited to see. I like that they're you know people wanted a new Doom game and they gave them that. And also they had a couple games nobody expected them to announce uh, in the you know the Wolfenstein and the Wolfenstein VR games, which are really cool because Wolfenstein is a game that it's going to be hard for it to wear out its welcome because not only is it socially relevant, but it's still, it's a fun game. You know, you can play through these games in probably about 12 hours. So good for them. What are your feelings on the Elder Scrolls mobile game? Do you think that attempting to make a console experience on a cell phone is worth the time and effort it takes? Well, you know, we could say no, but look at what what happened with the Gears of War mobile game coming out and look what's happened with Pokemon Go and and some others, Hitman Go, Tomb Raider Go, and some of the other mobile games that have found success on those platforms. I will say it does look very good. That is Elder Scrolls Blaze and probably one of the best games I've ever seen on a mobile platform. Sure, it's using resources that could probably better be served for other outlets you know, being a speeding up an Elder Scrolls game or another IP or something of that nature. But you know what? If they want to go the route as far as mobile is concerned, remember Fallout Shelter first appeared on mobile markets and that's done a great job there. And in fact, it's been expanded to consoles, pretty much all consoles at this point in time. So I agree with the reasoning that maybe these are resources that should be somewhere else, but you cannot argue with the success of something that it, when it really hits big on mobile, what it can do for a platform and for a game as well. Right. Just the fact that you can play the game in portrait mode is, you know, you could sit there at work or at school and just play these games and not have it look like you're playing games. So that's cool. But I, overall, like I got a hand to Bethesda because they make the games that they would want to play. And most of what they would want to play are things that gamers would want to play. Whether or not Fallout 76 will work, we'll have to wait and see. I'm not too thrilled on Rage 2, just because I feel like it was an unnecessary sequel. I could be proven wrong when the game comes out, but it looks like it's too much Doom. Uh, You know, when you walked into the interior of the building, it looked kind of like Doom. But they also have a new Doom coming out, so why double the effort like that? And then other than that, like Quake, people like that. It's not for me, but it still has its crowd and all that. So they're they're doing pretty well. I thought overall it was the best of the conferences that are not console-related, i.e. Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo. I thought by far and away it was. They don't have much, obviously, to lose as the console makers do. But overall, for me, it was the best conference, and obviously that was the best conference by 
a publisher in and of themselves. One more publisher conference that we want to talk about is Ubisoft. And I noticed this as a theme as well. When your conference gets off to a really rough start, it makes it really hard for you to gain that momentum. And this not only happened in the Sony conference, but in the Ubisoft conference as well. Yeah, I, it was weird because with the marching band thing, like I liked it and I don't even know why I liked it. It was just a good time. And for, and it's from what I understand there that Just Dance, a new one is being released on the Wii U. So that's... It's also being released on the Wii and the Xbox 360 with Kinect support to give you an idea about how you're trying to... Well, uh, obviously, the series has found great success even on those older platforms, even to this day. Yeah, but the question is, does anyone still have those? I know a lot of people do keep their things because they're collectors or hoarders or whatever you want to call it, but for a budget gamer like myself, those are all consoles that I traded in to get new consoles. I would probably say that they're when they reach out to those on the Xbox 360 and when they reach out to those when it comes to the Wii, they're not obviously looking at our direction, but possibly other countries, other locations that are not as prevalent to find PlayStation 4s and Xbox Ones and whatnot. They're still, for the most part, stuck in the older generations. Oh, good for them. Good for them. <laughs> but Ubisoft, like I said, was something that it was left to be desired. I was hoping for a new Rainbow Six iteration because I know and I know and understand Rainbow Six Siege is still going very well. But to go out there and tout your numbers and pretty much not do much else outside of some additional DLC and esports love and all that, that really wasn't too interesting to the comments that I was seeing. And pretty much overall, yes, we did see more of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I didn't get to see the things that I want to see. I was hoping for a 13 remake. Didn't, didn't see any sign of that, although that's not one of their, obviously, their more popular games that, that's ever come out in their library. But it would be cool for me to see. But overall, I just was not impressed with what Ubisoft had to deliver. Because, again, it goes back to the theme that there wasn't enough new or interesting AAA products for them to show off that could not or was not replicated on one of the big platform conferences sometime else that weekend. Yeah, because the division was all over the place. Beyond Good and Evil 2 looks very, very cool. When are we going to see this game? It, the, I'm thinking that because it's such a massive game, and I'm thinking chances are we're not going to see this game until the next generation of consoles. Like I don't know why they would put a game like this out on the alleged final year of the of these consoles it doesn't make sense to me we haven't seen any gameplay they haven't really shown us anything besides these very beautiful cinematics i know it got everybody excited with beyond good and evil 2 but trying to associate it to the first game to me it's just one of those cases where the first game is one of those nice well thought of by people who played it but unfortunately like Psychonauts and like several other games that have been brought back in a sequel or a reimagining, it wasn't that popular in the first place. So there's a reason why it's a cult favorite. It looks great on the cinematics. I give you that. It looks like something that a lot of people were excited for of anything at the Ubisoft conference. But at this point in time, you're putting a lot of eggs into one basket about a property that has been long rumored to have its sequel. It's been in development for a long, long time. You and I have both seen the rumors now for years. 
we finally heard it was happening about about a couple years ago, I think. And people are excited for it, but there's a lot of gamers now who have never even touched, or you know, even gamers like us who never really played the first Beyond Good and Evil. So I really don't think if you're going to go ahead and attach yourself to that original property, I'm not sure if that was really a great thing and, and just not make it its own IP and all that. But I really think it would have been better served to just come out with its own IP because the original is not that popular in the first place. Yeah, I feel like too, if they want to really maximize sales for this game, they need to put it up on the Xbox marketplace or PlayStation store and let us let people dive back into the original and find out what was so magical about it. I'm trying to think what else there was. The, the Skull and Bones, not excited about that at all. It's just, I don't care. It looks like they took just minor pieces. It's a chop job of Black Flag. They took the running around the town and the ship battles and put it into one game. I'm just not interested. I don't really care that much. Well, I love the ship, the naval battle, the ship battles and uh, Black Flag. I just, it's not something that I want to play a whole game worth of. Trials looks fun. I always enjoyed playing that one. And the fact that it's coming out on the Nintendo Switch makes it even better because I kind of just play it on the go. It's one of those games you kind of just tinker with. You don't play to completion. You tinker with as you have time. And that and the Nintendo Switch is the perfect place for that. I'm trying to think what else. The Was it the Elijah Wood thing? Was that Ubisoft too? Are you talking about Elijah Wood or are you talking about Joseph Gordon-Levitt? No, I know Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but didn't Elijah Wood do something? Him and the company that he works for, or he manages, they're, they're an entertainment company, but it's some kind of like, you put the goggles on and the dad was there and the, the kid didn't understand why the dad was sending him into like his memories or something to find the mom. Transference. Um, yeah, transference, because, yeah, but... When most people are worried more about the way he presented and the, and the fact that he flubbed some lines and all that, that tells me already people are not interested in the game. So that tells you right there. Jeez, it's, it's Frodo, man. Cut him some slack. Obviously not. You know how harsh it is on the internet these days and, and social know, media and all that. Must we go into that again? But like I said, Ubisoft would have been better served again. Here's the theme, the continuing theme to put these products onto someone else's platform when it comes to their conferences and not their own because there were several dead points. I think it got off to a bad start and just kept going down from there. Mm, nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheeliq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. PCC Multiverse listeners, act now and get 15% off your order today just by entering the promo code POD2. That's P-O-D and the number 2 at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. Let's move into the big three right now. We talked about Xbox, like I said, on the Monday program, and you can check out that right now on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel. Sony and Nintendo. Sony, PlayStation, it started off, again, on another awkward note. 
people were questioning why they were in such a different kind of venue. Then as soon as the cinematics popped up for Last of Us 2, we realized why they did that. But after showing that trailer, which looks very good, Last of Us 2 looks very promising, looks looks just like the original, a little bit better graphics, a little bit more motion, AI looks a little bit better, a little smarter and all that. That's nice. It's what we thought. There was that awkward period where they moved that entire crowd to the larger venue, which they were showing the rest of the conference from. This is something that should have been arranged. Instead of starting it at 6, you should have started at 5.30, 5.45 with a soft opening, started with that, and then moved to the main presentation at 6. I think that was just very awkward in the way they did it. And then it just kept going downhill from there with a lot of stuff that they just you've either seen or were not really getting excited about. And Sean Lake, the head right now of PlayStation, pretty much said that, to your credit, Josh, he did say they were only going to really show things that were coming out in the near future. They were trying to stay away from what you despised as far as things they would show and then you not seeing it for three, four years. I get that. That was fine. But what they had to show during this conference wasn't really eye-opening or any earth-shattering things. And it kind of took some of the luster along with the delay out of the actual conference itself and ended up being not one of those PlayStation conferences we're going to remember favorably down the road. Right. No, I agree. It was, it was a very small conference and I did not like the way they kept switching to the guys outside. That was really bothering me because those, they were annoying. Like they were probably the, you know, or one of them was probably the most annoying TV announcer I have ever seen in my life. And no offense to the guy, but he's just like, he reminded me of every character, you know, he reminded me of someone who would be on like Dan Harmon's community or something. I just was not interested. And they didn't really even have their own stuff together with what they were talking about. What they were talking about too is like games that I, I don't, I personally don't really care about. And it's stuff that we'd seen already. So they're just trying to find ways to sneak in stuff through there. And, you know, Death Stranding. When they showed the actual gameplay, it does not look, the graphics don't look that great. Am I the only person that thought that? No, and that's the problem when you're disassociating yourself from cutscene, which looks fantastic, to actual gameplay, which obviously for the fact that you have to create the movements, from the FPS, sometimes the frame rate sometimes goes down, interaction and gameplay when you're, you're fighting bad guys and all that. The overall look of the game has a tendency to drop with, uh, with certain games. And we've seen this before because you've set up this beautiful palette and beautiful artistry in the cutscenes. It all seems to go downhill from there. God of War has been able to strike a balance of beautiful cutscenes and seamlessly interacting into actual great looking gameplay the Uncharted series and several other games have been able to do that as well, Tomb Raider and, and others. But when it's not done correctly, like we saw, you see that, that little bit of edge and a little bit of luster that's lost when it came to the gameplay. And that could be a problem down the road for the actual game. Although I expect at least another delay for Death Stranding from whatever they go ahead as far as a, as a release date. I, I expect another delay or so from that just so they can sharpen up the actual gameplay look and address what you're asking for. Yeah. I just hope that when it's all said and done, that the game is actually good and not just something that we we've 
been frustrated over and they you know they're still not announcing a release date i don't think we're going to see this game for at least two years but uh you know i'm no expert on this the metal gear solid games that kojima has made have traditionally taken a very long time to make so i'm leaning towards a 2020 release at the earliest for this same here and remember it just seemed like the other day well no actually wasn't the other day but remember it looked just like he was shopping around the studios so he had to build his own Kojima Studios and get that underway. So there is supposed to be a timeline of when you're supposed to get these things done and or when you can get these things done. And it looks like right now that, to me, 2020 is a, is a good idea. And to me, again, here's the theme again from what I said earlier. It looks like it would be a great game to start on the new platforms as far as being on the Xbox whatever or the PlayStation 5 when they hopefully will come out in 2020 and still be available as well on PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. So it looks like something that will probably span both consoles when it comes out if it doesn't get delayed any further. Was there anything outside of that, like the Spider-Man game or anything else that you saw at PlayStation that you really liked? Yeah, I don't uh, honestly, Spider-Man, we've seen that three years in a row. I don't really care that much anymore. I, I do want to play it. Ghost of Tsushima looks beautiful, absolutely breathtaking. I cannot wait to play that game. And it looks like it's actually, unlike a lot of these games who try to go into a historical period, it looks like it's actually very well researched and the, uh, you know, as far as the the clothing and the attitudes and the just the, the way the people acted back then, like, I, I cannot wait to play that game. And I'm thinking, uh, what, what were they saying? That's like a, uh, they haven't given a release date, but I, you know, I would assume that since it's at this press conference, we'll see it early 2019. I hope we will. I'm in total agreement on how beautiful the game looks and it looks like something that I would want to go ahead and do. What we saw at E3 was not an actual part of the actual campaign itself it was something that the developer said is off a little bit from the the campaign trail so it's something that could be very beneficial to players if you're able to go ahead and do that which you saw on the side that you can just do as a side quest or as something as a bonus on top of what you're doing in the campaign there were some small points in conjecture as far as what PlayStation did I still think Xbox One was better than it, but overall... Hey, real quick, Resident Evil 2 Remastered, it yeah. looks great too, because it doesn't look like one of those over-the-top Resident Evil games that we've gotten recently. You know, it's not like everything's all just completely screwed and on fire. Like, this game actually looks like a very, I don't want to say logical, but down-to-earth zombie game. And that's something that we have... I don't think we've ever seen that ever so it's and i know that this game i love this game was on a playstation when i was a kid love playing it maybe this will lead to like a a reboot maybe of the resident evil series who knows but uh the game does look very good and it does look very real it does and i, I just appreciate the fact that it looks the way it does that it's going to spark an interest in the resident evil games of the past when it finally comes out to consoles 
Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special commercial for We Podcast and We Know Things. Wow, a commercial? Yes, Sam, a commercial. We are We Podcast and We Know Things, the single source for all of your nerdy news in gaming, TV, film, music, and all things pop culture. Heck, even wrestling. We're basically spreading the good word of nerd one episode at a time. Check us out here on the ESO Podcast Network and wherever fine podcasts are. Now back to your ESO Network Podcast. Last but not least, we want to touch on the third of the big three that was presented, and that was Nintendo. Obviously, the main deal with Nintendo was what's going to happen with the future of the Super Smash Brothers series. They were obviously going to be able to show it off. You're going to be able to play it at E3. And sure enough, they presented a new Super Smash Brothers that's going to be basically a collection of all the the characters that we've seen from every other Super Smash Brothers game all compiled into one into new platforms plus I'm sure a lot of familiar ones that we've already seen your thoughts on the latest Super Smash Brothers which we were wondering is it going to be a remake is it going to be something new and it looks like it's going to be a little bit of both I'm looking forward to playing and I like that it has a uh, 2018 release date Literally, like every popular character that has been out, including Snake, Metal Gear Solid, they're all playable characters on the game. And they don't give them to you right away, so you can't overpower yourself through the game. You actually have to, unlike Mario Kart, where they just gave you everybody, uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, you actually have to play the game to unlock certain characters, and then you can use those abilities to do certain things. And I like how everything seems pretty evenly distributed this time around so you don't just have someone being able to do the same move over and over again kind of like your street fighter low kick thing i'm sold on it i'm sold and i i want to know like what the online capabilities are like do you need to can you play do you need an internet connection to play or do you just can you just go up to someone else with a switch they haven't really talked they didn't really talk about that too much but yeah i'm i'm excited to play as as someone who hasn't really played a lot of Super Smash Brothers. I'm definitely fascinated by what I saw. I am happy to see that they were able to go ahead and show everyone out there that they've got a lot of big plans for Super Smash Brothers. Sure, there was no Metroid. There was no updates on some other games that people were hoping to see. But overall, I think they were very solid, very concise, and very uh, representative of what Nintendo's going to do. And outside, again, of their infatuation with the beginning of December release dates, which seems strange to me, realizing that Black Friday is about a week or two before usually than what they seem to release it as, and they keep missing those windows. It still was a great representative of their press conference. Your thoughts? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but like Nintendo never has anything on sale for Black Friday. And even when it is, it's marked down $10 at the most. So I don't, sense about being on sale call of duty is never on sale during black friday but it's there it's available and makes itself sold and that's that's the idea is when you're out there and you have your product out there on the shelves and in those glass cases people see it and they've got to buy it because they know their son their daughter their nephew niece granddaughter grandson they all want that game and it just seems illogical to me why they continuously bring out these games year after year after year in the first week of December. Now, mind you, it's still in the Christmas shopping season, and it will probably be the biggest selling game of December, if not number two behind Red Dead Redemption 2. I get that, but 
it still shows a lack of foresight not to be able to release it one or two weeks before just to slide it in during that Black Friday season to have it available, have it out. Because I've, I've seen when I'm out there to those retail stores during that time frame get sold and their Call of Duty and all those games that even if they're not discounted, still go through off the shelves, unless it's Star Wars Battlefront, mind you, that it will still go off the shelves because people know that they're popular games and are excited for it and have the money right there and then to go ahead and buy these games. So to me, it's a little bit, again, a lack of foresight by doing that, but Nintendo still will sell a lot of copies of the game. Rest assured, I don't doubt that at all. And in fact, I would have been more surprised and I would have been more enlightened and, and happier if they would have been releasing it in a bundle. This goes back to what I had spoken about with Jeremiah of GameSource in the past in regards to a Wii U Super Smash Brothers bundle, hopefully saving the Wii U and making it more popular. Them not deciding to do that and him calling me an idiot for saying such. Well, here we go again. No, they don't have to sell it in a bundle. They can still sell it by itself. But for me personally, to get it out there to a lot of individuals, a 349 bundle does sound like a good idea for a Super Smash Brothers and would have been a great idea to sell during the holiday season, especially during Black Friday. Oh, you make a good point. I agree. I totally agree. It's funny, too, because you had mentioned Red Dead Redemption 2. And honestly, I think that Nintendo is really the only game manufacturer that doesn't have to worry about not being able to compete with them because there's a lot of people granted out there who have, you know, two or three consoles, but you know, you have people, Nintendo fans, when they want to play a game, they will buy it and they will play it on release and good for them for choosing Pokemon to be like their November 16th game, because that game has a humongous fan base. And I don't know what the fan base is compared to Red Dead Redemption, but it's a very, very smart move on their part to ship units before the holidays. One last thing before we head on out, my friend, your thoughts on who had the best press conference overall and the best of the three press conferences. I'm going to give my thoughts first. I'll say this, that I think overall Bethesda had the best conference of them all. And of the three console manufacturers, I think... I'm going to go with Nintendo because theirs was concise enough and hit right to the point. Theirs didn't drag. They didn't really have any lulls. They just went release, 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 and they checked on out, which is the way you should get it done. You don't lose attention of the people watching. Xbox, I think, was second, and I think PlayStation was unfortunately third for them. I just think overall there were some hits and misses by all three, but of the three, I think the Nintendo press conference showed off the best and made it probably the most adaptable for gamers to like and appreciate going forward. I like Bethesda as like a developer conference. I thought Bethesda, it was probably the best. But as far as the big three, I think Microsoft did the best because they needed to deliver and they did when we'll see these games that they delivered who knows but they showed people what they wanted to see and the announcement that they purchased ninja theory was huge or not i don't know if they purchased them but uh you know acquired them whatever that means and like i said before on monday's show i mean probably one of their biggest announcements that they acquired ninja theory and four other studios or bringing them to life 
that they have five new studios making games for them. And that's going to be great for not only the rest of Xbox One, but whatever it is they're going to be bringing out as a new console going forward. Right. Phil Spencer's a good dude. You know, he told the fans what they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear we're working on a next-gen console. The speculation was rife when he said that Playground Games were working on a, on a uh, massive open world game. And, you know, we all know that's Fable. But, you know, we'll leave that to them to admit that it is because we know they renewed an IP for uh, a new Fable game. And they probably wouldn't have made that little mention had it not been Playground Games who's going to work on it. But anyways, I digress. I think Microsoft had a good showing. They had a lot of, uh, they had some new, they had new intellectual properties and that's what we wanted to see. They had brought back some of their old stuff. It's usually we don't get Gears and Halo same conference, but this year we did and that's awesome. Not too thrilled on the, the Funko stuff. I like too how they're bringing PC games over to the Xbox. So that's really cool. But yeah, I think that they kind of got that top spot. Well, we do share a difference of opinion on the console makers, but we are in agreement on the best conference overall, as far as from a developer standpoint. We both agree on Bethesda being the best, and we differ on the best press conference from the console makers. But hey, overall, I think there were some positive signs for the industry going forward, which is going to be a great thing for gamers. What are your thoughts out there on E3 and all the press conferences? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Who won? Who lost? What games did you like seeing? What games did you want to see and did not get a chance to see or did not get shown? What games were you disappointed by? We want to hear your thoughts entirely. Share us your thoughts and we'll we'll pass them along on the show here as well. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanican Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Thanks so much to Rob McCallum and Josh Peterson for hanging out with me here on the show today. On Monday's show, we're going to talk Incredibles 2, it's storming theaters this weekend. It's already broken records for an animated film in Thursday previews, so we'll definitely be able to delve more into it, not only box office-wise, but what it'll do in the future for Pixar. To close out the show, PlayStation has done it again. Their unwillingness to embrace crossplay, which has garnered some real heat because of the popular game Fortnite debuting on the Switch this week, is having issues as far as PS4 accounts and is creating all kinds of havoc for people that just want to play the game with their friends on different systems and whatnot. Their unwillingness to embrace crossplay with other platforms and have people play with each other on the same game, even though they're playing on different systems, has been something that has really been kind of a, a small negative so far with the PlayStation 4 success. But it has really come to light in the past week because of the fact that now a lot of people that are playing Fortnite want to play with their friends on the PS4 or actually have to now go ahead and use a separate account because their PS4 account no longer works on any other platform. Sony, I say to you this, 
If you continue to anger gamers with your reluctance to embrace crossplay and games like Fortnite, which has attracted over 125 million players in less than a year, not to mention any other major AAA multiplayer games out there, then your goodwill with fans may be coming to an end, which isn't good for the PS5, which is coming in the not too distant future. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day right here in paradise, here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening, and here's hoping you have yourself a great day.